Welcome to this episode of Uptempo Sports 24-7 with your host, Coach P. And I thought that this song was quite appropriate for the moment of what we're going to talk about. And that is LeBron James. That's right, folks. The king is one game away from returning to his throne. And guess where it's going to happen? In Florida. It might not be Miami, but it's in South Florida. And with that, we say welcome to Uptempo Sports 24-7. Isn't it ironic that LeBron James began his journey for championship lore in Florida when he took his talents to South Beach and the Miami Heat? And here we go. On Friday night, the King will be in a game five in a situation where he can close out of all teams, the Miami Heat, to capture his fourth NBA championship and return the Lakers back to one of the most iconic teams in NBA history by helping them to get to their 17th championship. It was a battle in game number four for the Lakers to get control of this series. Miami was not going to wait. Miami was not going away quietly, folks. Although Jimmy Butler did not have that virtual performance that he had in game number three, he still was a factor in this game. Jimmy Butler, 22 points. His running mate, the young man, the youngest player to ever start. In the NBA's finals, Tyler Hero dropped 21 and he hit some big clutch shots down in in the fourth quarter. And the return of one Bam Adebayo, 15 points. You could tell he wasn't at complete strength, but he showed grit and guts. And that is what the makeup of this Miami Heat team has been throughout the season and especially throughout these playoffs. But folks... LeBron was not going to allow the Lakers to lose this game. LeBron James, in the second quarter, finally got himself in playoff mode. And from the second quarter on, we saw why LeBron is considered to be one of the greatest players in NBA history. LeBron James finished this game with 28 points, 12 rebounds, and 8 assists. Almost another triple-double. The key factor in this game, before we start talking about Anthony Davis, was one Carwell Pope. Folks, Carwell Pope had 15 points. More importantly, he had five assists. And also, he had some of the key plays going down the stretch. And that's why the Lakers sit one game away from winning another championship. 102-96, to that was your final score. Carwell Pope, folks. When the Lakers were up by two, 
with about three and a half minutes to go in the game. Miami had the ball. Jimmy Butler had a chance to shoot a three that would have put the heat up. But he missed. What happened next was LeBron James got the rebound, led the break, found Carwell Pope in the corner of where the Miami bench was, and Carwell Pope sank a big three-pointer that pushed the Lakers' lead to five. And at that point, folks, you could kind of sense that the Lakers had finally taken control of this game. This was what playoff basketball was all about, folks. It was nip and tuck. It was a two-point lead at halftime for the Lakers, and it just went back and forth. The Lakers led at the end of three quarters, and the record for the Lakers when leading after three quarters throughout their history. They were 55-0 going into this game. It became 56-0 after leading after three quarters. But let's talk about, again, Carwell Pope, folks. Not only did he hit that big three, shot clock running down, Carwell Pope took the ball to the basket and got a layup against two defenders that maintained that Laker lead. Going down the stretch, Miami couldn't hit a basket that they needed. The Lakers were able to get LeBron to the free throw line where he hit clutch free throws. And then the Lakers finally were able to seize control up six with 39.5 seconds to go. Anthony Davis at the top of the key, folks. This is why LeBron petitioned for Anthony Davis' talents to come to the Lakers. AD hit a big three that pretty much sealed the fate of the Miami Heat in game number four. He finished the night with 22 points and nine rebounds. That three at with 39.5 seconds remaining in the fourth quarter put the Lakers up nine and pretty much put Miami to sleep. They ended up getting a three at the buzzer by Tyler Hero, but it was for naught because at that particular point, the game was over and the Lakers were now in control And now they are sitting one game away from not only being able to win another championship, but to return home from the bubble. Let's talk about LeBron James. Folks, for all those who want to keep making it about Michael Jordan, for all those who want to keep saying that LeBron is not the GOAT, that he doesn't do enough, he doesn't score enough, but he just wins, and that's what it all and that's and that's what it boils down to, folks. He's a winner. He is a certified winner, and everybody's always going to have their opinion. And it's not going to be, and I've said this before, it's not going to be until LeBron retires that we're going to understand his greatness and what he meant to the game of basketball. No one's ever going to sit and try to say that Michael Jordan is didn't make an impact on the game because we know how much of an impact MJ did. And I just think it's time for us to stop trying to compare LeBron to Michael Jordan. There's no comparison. And I've said this before. Everybody says that Mike is the GOAT. I don't I don't have an argument 
against that. But if you wanted to base it on winning, then the GOAT should be Bill Russell. He has 11 championships. Mike has six. And I know Mike was undefeated when he went to the championships, but so was the Boston Celtics. And again, like I said, Bill Russell has 11 championship rings. But let's look at the overall picture of why LeBron still should sit at the same table with Michael Jordan, and there shouldn't be any question. You're talking about in his 17th season at the age of 35, LeBron in these playoffs is averaging 28 points. If I'm not mistaken, you think he's averaging 28 points, nine rebounds, and almost nine assists or 10 assists a game, folks. This is in the playoffs at 35 years old in his 17th season. Come on. Let's just stop. Let's just stop with the comparisons to Michael Jordan because everybody's always going to sign off on Mike being the greatest. And that's fine. But let's stop dismissing the greatness of LeBron. Let's stop dismissing what he has done since he was 18 years old and came into the NBA. Walking into the NBA with the burden of trying to live up to the tattoo that's on the back of his back, the chosen one. Trying to live up to the hype of being King James. He's done that and more. And we need to start appreciating what he has given to us from an athletic standpoint because folks just like everything else when it comes to sports the one person that you cannot defeat is father time and we know at some point father time is going to take over and we're going to not see LeBron James doing the fantastic things that he's been doing for 17 years we know that that time is coming so while we still have time to enjoy the greatness that he is still displaying at this point in his career. Let's just soak that up and enjoy that and stop nitpicking about every little thing that this man has done and just understand and realize the impact that he has had as a basketball player and an ambassador for the game of basketball on and off the court. Let's just enjoy that. The reason I opened up with that theme about going to Miami that was Will Smith just in case you didn't know is because this is where LeBron started his run for championships remember he left his hometown the Cleveland Cavaliers to join up with D Wade and Chris Bosh to get that championship that he longed for and although he didn't get the five the six the seven they went four straight years He got two out of four. 50% is not bad. They should have had three out of four because they should have never lost to the Dallas Mavericks. But we're not even going to go back that far in history. And we're just going to stay where we are and go present day. But he got the championship. He was able to get that monkey off his back. And now he is going to restore championship lure to the L.A. Lakers on Friday night. Because, folks, this series is over. Miami, I take my hat, tip my hat to Coach Eric Spostra, to the Godfather, Pat Riley, to the whole Miami organization, Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo, Tyler Hero, all the players, Andre Iguodala. But folks, this is over. It's just like the movie Jaws when there's blood in the water and the shark attacks. 
this is what this is going to be on Friday. And on top of that, the Lakers will be donning the Mamba jerseys in honor of Kobe Bryant. They have not lost in those jerseys since the since they started wearing them in the bubble for the playoffs. I don't see them losing on Friday. I think that Miami gave us all they could give. I'm not saying that it's not going to be an effort by Miami to stay alive on Friday because that's just what they do. They're going to show up. But you're this close to being able to get another ring. You're this close to being able to get yourself out of the bubble so that you can get back to your home, to your family and your friends. They're going to shut the door on Friday, folks. If Miami does it, it will be historic. I just don't see it happening. I just think that the Lakers and LeBron, he's laser focused. He knows how close he is. He knows what it takes to win. He's going to pull all those players together and they're going to get this done. What I have seen and what I admire about what the Lakers have done is that we all kept talking about through these playoffs who was going to be the third option for them as a score. We wondered if Kyle Kuzma was going to ever be that guy that they thought he would when they didn't make the trade, when they didn't trade him with the rest of the guys that they traded to go get Anthony Davis. He just never found his niche. But he has found his niche in the playoffs, folks. He's now forcing shots. He's playing within the cons the, the concept of the offense. He's doing what needs to be done. If they need him to play defense, he's playing better defense. If they need him to take a charge, he's making a taking a charge. He's been um, assisting on plays. He has looked for his shot. He's not forcing shots. That's what you want from your young ball players, especially during this time in the playoffs when things get tight and the rotation of the coach's bench also gets tight. You want to see if he can fall in line and do the things necessary for the coach to have confidence. And I think Frank Vogel has shown that. Also, again, KCP. He has been this last game, folks. You couldn't ask for a better a better performance than he gave them. Danny Green, still that jump shot is missing in action. He had 10 points. I didn't even see how he got the 10. But he's a veteran presence, so I guess that's why they still trust him down the stretch. But, folks, what can you say about Rondo? Rajon Rondo, he had two points in this game. He missed some layups early on, but he had two points. But the layup that he hit in the fourth quarter going down the stretch was two of the biggest points in this game at a crucial time. And that's why we say this is why you need veterans. You need savvy veterans on your team because they know the moment. It's not too big for them. Rondo already having a championship ring with the Boston Celtics. He knows what it takes. He knows what needs to be done in a clutch moment. And that's why you have playoff Rondo just for this time right now. Rondo's experience, LeBron's talent and leadership, and the talent of Anthony Davis, those are the things that are going to take the Lakers home to win LeBron's fourth championship and the Lakers to capture their 17th championship. It should be a good game on Friday night. But as you just heard here, I'm rolling with the Lakers to shut this down. We're going to move on from the Lakers And we're going to talk about what's going on with the 
hiring of Doc Rivers in Philadelphia. We've heard that Darvin Ham, one of the assistant coaches from the Milwaukee Bucks and a former NBA player, is interviewing with the L.A. Clippers. That's very interesting, considering that they have two top flight assistant coaches with the Clippers on their bench that haven't been interviewed yet. Sam Cassell and Ty Lue. So I'm not sure what's going on with that. But it's going to be an interesting dynamic to see what Doc Rivers can do with Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons. I still think they're going to have to make some offseason maneuvers in order to get some shooters to spread the floor. It's going to be interesting to see how Doc decides he wants to play Ben Simmons. Is he going to play him at the point? Is he going to play him at the forward spot? It's going to be very interesting, folks, to see how this goes. But by all accounts, I think Philadelphia is happy with the move. It seems as though Doc is happy with the choice that he made to go to Philadelphia. So we, you know, we're just going to sit back and wait and see how things are going to go. Something interesting happened in the bubble um, upon the oh, the Houston Rockets leaving. Um, after they were eliminated by the Lakers. We always talk about athletes being uh, a little arrogant and sometimes not understanding how fortunate they are as opposed to the everyday man. Russell Westbrook reminded us of the humanity that some of these athletes really do have when he, upon leaving from the facilities in Florida decided that he was going to leave a tip for the staff that took care of him and his team during this whole NBA reshuffling to Florida due to the pandemic. Russell Westbrook left a $8,000 tip, folks. That, that, to me, needs to be applauded. Because in my mind, I'm thinking to myself that the NBA covered the charges in regards to the stay for the players. And for him to take it upon himself to look out for the well-being of the staff, the, the cooks, the people who just provided all the services for him and his teammates was amazing and you know we always want to talk about what athletes don't do this is an opportunity to talk about an athlete that that chose to do something and didn't want any fanfare about it he didn't want anybody to know somebody just happened to find out how much the tip was but russell didn't want anybody to know and 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 those are the things sometimes that we don't hear about it's you know we are always quick to be in judgment of what these athletes do when they have a misstep but when Things like this, something positive they're doing, that gets overshadowed because we're always looking to, again, pick a hole or go deeper looking for something that they've done. And this is, again, an opportunity for us to be able to take a look, take a step back and look and say, you know, these athletes, for the time, the duration which they were in the bubble, 
they need to be applauded. I talked about this before and I said that some of the things that were coming out of there, I thought some of the things were a little over exaggerated. But folks, I understand they were away from their families for a certain number, certain amount of time. My only thing was, was that I think about our men and women who serve to protect us in this country and how a lot of them do double duties, double tours of duty, and they don't get to see their families. So when you're talking about athletes being in the comforts of a hotel, whether it's a five star or not, they're not in a Motel 6. They were still being served with the best amenities possible and being taken care of. I just could not go all in and saying that, you know, they were in a compromising situation. But I get the idea of being away from your home, not sleeping in your bed for, you know, three or four months. I get that. But I also get the fact that at the end of the day, we as fans were just happy to have sports back in our lives because we didn't understand the impact I did. I don't know if everybody did the impact of what sports has done during this time of this pandemic, how it has enlightened our lives and made us forget about some of the awful things that we've had to experience through 2020 by us being uplifted and being able to take our mind off of those things and just think about focusing in on sports, whether it be basketball, WNBA, NBA, Major League Baseball. Now that they're in the, 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 the playoffs, you know, hockey was in the bubble. It's, it's just been it's been phenomenal what these athletes have done for us to, to, to get us back to a place where we can feel like, hey, there is some normalcy that we've been able to experience. So I just want to give a round of applause to the NBA, to the teams that were participating in the bubble, and to the people who worked at the facilities in Florida and say, job well done. Russell Westbrook, he needs to be saluted in this situation as well. And, you know, we just need to take a step back sometimes, folks, and not be so critical of these athletes, of what our expectation of what they should be doing or what they are doing. Because, again, just like you and I, they're humans, too, and they're going to make mistakes and they're going to have shortcomings. So we can't put all these level of expectations on them that we wouldn't put on ourselves. Speaking of expectations, folks. How about what the women of the WNBA did in this bubble? The Seattle Storm, folks, unbelievable. Sue Bird has to go down as one of the greatest female basketball players of all time. One of the greatest winners of all time. The Storm, they were not to be denied as they've won their second championship in two years as they dominate Asia Wilson, the 2020 MVP and the Las Vegas, a- Las Vegas Aces in the championship. They swept them three games to zero. And the largest margin for a championship victory in the WNBA was 32 points in this particular game. Folks, Brianna Stewart, Sue Bird, that Connecticut 
UConn connection, deadly. Just absolutely deadly and ridiculous. Brianna Stewart, dog. 28 points, MVP, of course, of the playoffs, of this championship run. It's, just, it's amazing, folks. Not only were they doing their social justice causes and, and, and getting their voices heard, but they were playing outstanding basketball. So once again, I want to tip my hat to these women for the, the sacrifices that a lot of them made to get and go down to Florida. I want to also tip my hat to them for them staying on the front line to fight for social injustice and also to have their voices heard just for themselves in regards to what they're trying to do, not only for their organization, the WNBA, but for what they're trying to do for the impact of women in our society. So a round of applause to these women. Congratulations to the Seattle Storm for another championship. We're going to take a small commercial break, folks, and then we're going to come back and we're going to talk about what in the world is going on with the Washington football team and Dwayne Haskins. This is Uptempo Sports 24-7. Thank you for tuning in. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Uptempo Sports 24-7. And since we're going to be talking about that team that resides here in Washington, D.C., what better way to intro into this next topic than to give you a little bit of that D.C. flavor, a little bit of that D.C. soul with the godfather himself, Chuck Brown. What is going on with the Washington football team, folks? Dwayne Haskins. Demoted to third string, not even the backup to Kyle Allen, you demote him to the third spot in the rotation, which means that if something happens to Kyle Allen, the quarterback that the Redskins, I'm sorry, that the Washington football team received via a trade from the Carolina Panthers, for a fifth round pick, if something happens to him going forward, Alex Smith, the quarterback who a lot of us thought was never going to be able to step back on a field. Better yet, even you're talking about now possibly playing again is now the second string quarterback what is really going on within the organization known as the Washington football team Dwayne Haskins was drafted last year folks he only played 
He started four games last year. He has 11 games that he's played in his short-term career. That is not enough of a sample size for anyone, let alone an organization that has gone through the trials and tribulations of the Washington football team. You're talking about an organization where they want to move the current owner out as the owner. You're talking about an organization that has gone through and hasn't completed a name change, has gone through a scandal within the organization for improprieties in regards to the treatment of women. racial undertones in a name and that's why it's being changed I'm not getting why after 11 games under his belt coach Ron Revere feels like that Dwayne Haskins is not capable of being the quarterback for this franchise The first thing we need to talk about is where are the weapons on offense to help your young quarterback succeed? They have one legitimate wide receiver on this roster. The teams, when they line up on a Sunday, know they need to stop. And that is third round pick from last year's draft as well from Ohio State, Terry McLaurin. That's your that's your one and only threat at that wide receiver spot that defensive coordinators know they need to worry about. Let's go to the backfield. The leading rusher for the last two seasons won Adrian Peterson, future Hall of Famer. You cut him this season. During camp, you have no legitimate running back. You're doing running back by committee. Antonio Gibson, the young running back that they drafted from Memphis. Peyton Barber. Bryce Love is back on IR. That's who they drafted last year from Stanford. I don't know how you think that you're Basically, rookie quarterback can be successful without having pieces surrounding him for him to be in a better situation. Now, I'm not taking any, I'm not trying to put all the blame on the organization and I'm not trying to make it seem like that Dwayne Haskins does not have to play better. But folks, what people still fail to realize is that of all the positions in professional sports especially in football the quarterback position to me is the most dependent position on the field because you are dependent upon having an offensive line you're dependent upon having running back or a running back and you're depending upon having a receiver or receivers 
But most importantly, you're dependent on having a coach who is not only going to trust you, but is going to coach you and put you in the best situation so that you can be successful. Whether that means the head coach has a offensive coordinator that can guide you through the rough waters or the head coach himself can do that or the combination of the two. But to just let this kid free fall and make it seem like he is the reason why they're not winning is absolutely ridiculous in my viewpoint. And I'm not even a Washington football team fan, but I'm just looking at it from the perspective of what's fair. When they got Kyle Allen from the Panthers in the trade, there was speculation that they made because he knew the system that Scott Turner, the offensive coordinator, was running because he played in it last year when he took over for Cam when Cam was injured. There was speculation that he may be the starter going in. If that's what you wanted to do, then that's what they should have done, considering that you had a new installment of an offense and you did not have the luxury of having real OTAs or preseason. It would have made more sense to be for you as a coaching staff to be comfortable with starting Kyle Allen and bringing Dwayne Haskins along that way, as opposed to you play him four games in this season and then now you demote him. Not only do you mo- not only do you demote him to the backup, but he's the backup to the backup. And, and, and I don't know what you're expecting. I mean, are you trying to humiliate this kid? Because that's how I would feel as if I was in his shoes. I would feel like you're trying to humiliate me. It's one thing if you want to sit him down because he's not performing well. It's another thing to try to embarrass and humiliate somebody. And that's what I feel like they're doing by putting him as the third string quarterback. Again, behind no offense to Alex Smith. But you're talking about putting him behind a guy who was out almost a year and a half with an injury that we thought would prevent him from maybe even walking again. And now you're talking about him being the backup? All it takes is one. Kyle Allen is one play away in it with an injury for Alex Smith to now be the backup and he would be on the field. I don't know about you, but if as an organization, I would not feel comfortable about that. I know they owed Alex Smith a lot of money coming into the season. I think it was either 22 or 20 million dollars. Folks, I'm all for the comeback story. I'm all for guys wanting to live out their dreams. Alex Smith has already done that. He was a number one pick and he has had a successful career. I just think at a certain point, especially when you're talking about it being something that could be harmful to you long term, I think that you have to use better judgment. Now, I'm not a doctor and I've never had that type of injury that Alex Smith recovered from. But just looking at all he had to do to get back to just being able to walk would be enough to make me think about my future in that plane. So where do we go from here? What what do the Washington football team do with Dwayne Haskins? Now, we saw this with Arizona 
two years ago when they drafted a quarterback, Josh Rosen from UCLA with the number 10 pick. And it didn't work out quite the way that I'm sure he wanted and that the organization wanted. And when they brought in a new coaching staff, that coaching staff wanted Kyler Murray. And so they drafted, they cut ties, and they drafted Kyler Murray. And so far, so good. Going forward, it looks like it was the best move to make. To me, I don't know how you come back from this as an organization. I think at this particular point, they have to be thinking about moving Dwayne Haskins. I don't know if they would do it this season, but going into next year, unless something catastrophic happens to both Alex Smith and Kyle Allen, I don't see how Dwayne Haskins is still going to be a part of this organization, especially going forward if Ron Rivera is still going to be the coach. I just don't see it, folks, because I don't know how you bring this young man's confidence back to the forefront with this move that you just made. Now, you look at the Giants and all the shuffling that they've had to do because of the injury to Saquon Barkley and their lack of weapons due to injuries, but they're still going with their quarterback who was drafted in the same draft as Dwayne Haskins, Dwayne Haskins, Daniel Jones. He has not had a stellar career to get started with, but they're still riding it out for now. Now that could all change if the Giants continue to have the season that they're having right now and the number one pick falls in their lap and they decide to move on from Daniel Jones and draft a Trevor Lawrence. So that could change as well. But right now, I just, I'm really befuddled by this move by the Washington football team. And if Dwayne Haskins is not going to be the quarterback in the Washington area, I just hope wherever he's traded to, that that team and that organization gets behind that young man and gives him a favorable opportunity if to at least compete for the job and put him in a situation where he can grow as a person and a quarterback to be successful. Now, I know nothing is promised. Ron Rivera was not here when the organization drafted Dwayne Haskins, so he has no ties to him. But we saw what Cal Allen can do last year. We saw in the first few games that he played, he won for Carolina. But once defensive coordinators figured out what his weaknesses were, they exploited it. And then you saw him come back down to earth. And to me, Cal Allen is is cool if you want to put him in for a few games. I don't believe that he's a starter in the NFL. I think he is a backup that can come in and get you through, you know, three or four games maybe if you needed to. But if you're counting on him to be your organization's face of the franchise going forward, I think that you're hitching your wagon to the wrong cart. And I don't see that being a a successful run for any team. I just don't. I don't think that he is a 
quarterback that you can look at and say he can lead you to the playoffs. And I think part of this decision that Ron Ron Rivera made was based on the possibility of Washington competing for a playoff position because of how of how disorganized the NFC East is right now. You have Washington, Dallas, and Philadelphia all with one win. The Giants, they're on the other side of the coin. They have not won a game yet. They're 0-4. So Ron Rivera, in his mind, is thinking we have a chance, possibly, if we can get a couple of games underneath us, that we can maybe compete for this division considering how bad it is. I don't believe that the Washington football team is good enough, even as bad as this division is, for them to win it or to make a a significant run because, again, folks, they have a nice defense. They have no offense. Again, they have no weapons. And even with Philadelphia, with all the injuries that they have and as bad as the Cowboys have looked especially on the defensive side of the ball I still would roll with those two organizations before I would think the Washington football team has any opportunity because again your quarterback has to have weapons and I'm just trying to figure out you go to Cal Allen and although he may know the system better and may be able to digest the system better than Dwayne Haskins was who is he throwing the ball to Who is he handing the ball to? And why do you think that your offense is going to suddenly get that much better with him at the helm as opposed to Dwayne Haskins? Last week, no interceptions, no touchdowns, but Dwayne Haskins threw for over 300 yards. Now, I'm not saying that he had a lights-out performance because there were some spots in that game where he made some, some curious decisions, especially down at the end in the fourth quarter when you're near the goal line and instead of you throwing the ball to the end zone, you throw the ball, you check down. So I get it. But again, where's the coaching? Where's the coaching from Ron Rivera? Where's the coaching from your offensive coordinator, Scott Turner? These are all the questions that I'm asking. And again, I'm asking this just as a a fan looking at football that you, after 11 games, give up on this young man. There have been 60 quarterbacks taken in the first round of the NFL draft since 2000. Only three have been pulled from the starting lineup in a shorter time than Dwayne Haskins. Those quarterbacks would be J.P. Lossman, who was with the Buffalo Bills, Paxton Lynch, who was with the Denver Broncos, and one Johnny Manziel, who was with the Cleveland Browns. Folks, it it just leaves you scratching your head. I'm just not sure what's going on. But again, like I said, I just hope that Dwayne Haskins, whatever happens in the future, that he gets a better a better opportunity than he's getting right now here with the Washington football team. If you haven't been watching baseball, folks, you're missing a lot with these playoffs. And this is the time of year that I generally tune in to baseball. Because there's so many games during the regular season, it's hard to try to keep up with the with the number of games that they play. But the Atlanta Braves, folks, they 
look like a real contender so far in the National League. And I know everybody has predicted that the Dodgers is the front runner. A lot of people have said that, you know, maybe the Yankees will come out the American League. I just don't think the Yankees have enough pitching. But I tell you what, Atlanta, they have the bats and they've been getting the pitching that they've needed thus far in this early part of the playoffs. So it's going to be interesting to see how far they can go. Um, They just closed out the Marlins today, as a matter of fact. And so now they await their next opponent in the next round. The Dodgers, again, we know what they can do. We know what they have in their lineup with Mr. Bellinger and Mookie Betts and Clayton Kershaw pitching. But we're going to have to see what they do long term because we've been talking about the Dodgers for the last few years as being a front runner and they have not lived up to being able to get to the championship. So we'll see if this is a different year for that organization. But before we step away from this episode of Uptempo Sports, I just wanted to um, make note of something that happened a few nights ago. Quentin Byfield the 18-year-old center was the high, has become the highest drafted black player in the National League history by the Los Angeles Kings. Let me say that again, folks. Quentin Byfield, an 18-year-old center, became the highest drafted black player in National League history when he was drafted on Tuesday night by the Los Angeles Kings. 6'4", 214. It didn't get a lot of, from what I saw, I I didn't hear a lot of uh, pub being made about this. Now on the uh, NHL draft, they talked about it. But so far as other outlets, I didn't see a lot about it on ESPN or Fox. But I just think this is remarkable, folks. It just shows you the depths of where we are with sports and how African-Americans are showing their versatility, their versatility, I'm sorry, folks, showing their versatility in regards to not just being football and basketball players, but showing you through lacrosse, through now with, you know, in hockey, that they can be just as dominant in these sports as they are in football and basketball. Just want to say congratulations to that young man. Hope that he has a fine career and that, you know, his position in the NHL can be beneficial to those who are thinking about pursuing a career or playing hockey that maybe didn't consider it before now. That maybe he can be like a Tiger Woods, but only but in the sport of hockey, in regards to young men of color looking at him and saying they too could put themselves in that type of position 
to be successful. Don't forget, folks, that uh, got Major League Baseball playoffs tonight. And, of course, it's Thursday night, the jumpstart to NFL week number five. We have Tampa Bay going to the Windy City, Chicago. Rolling with, I guess we'll take Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers tonight to see if they can go to 4-1. Nick Foles trying to bounce back from a home loss last week to the Indianapolis Colts. Of course, you know this is going to be an interesting week, week number five in the NFL with the continued failure of COVID testing by the Tennessee Titans, folks. What is going on in Tennessee? What? In the hell are they doing? We knew that we were going to experience some COVID situations. We're in a pandemic. That's not unusual. But folks, it's almost like the entire team is is falling by the wayside. I just I'm just not sure exactly what they're doing with the Titans. So we'll see what they're going to do in regards to the rescheduling of these games. Um, between the Titans and Buffalo, and then, of course, New England and the Broncos. Um, They're working on a contingency plan to possibly have that game shifted from Sunday to either Monday or Tuesday. So we'll stay on top of that and keep track of those situations and let you know what's going on. But we thank you for tuning in to this episode of Uptempo Sports. We hope that you have a pleasant evening. And, of course, we will be returning to let you know about week number five in the NFL and get you ready for the game number five in the NBA Finals. Until then, as we always do, same bat time, same bat channel. Peace.